It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Happy to be with you today. This is one of these days where I could not wait for the clock to go off because I watched what went down yesterday in those hearings. I saw Joe Biden do this thing called taking questions. I watched President Trump talk and then today uh, do his five o'clock coronavirus update and know the numbers are going down. Yes, I was dying to say that. And then today we have the most powerful people in the world front and center. And I'm talking about the head of Google, Tim Cook. Talking about Jeff Bezos, uh, who runs this thing called, it's on the tip of my tongue. Okay, it's Amazon. And then you have Mark Zuckerberg. I believe he's on Facebook. Oh, wait, wait. He created it. And Sinjor Sinjor, uh, uh, Pinchor of Google. Uh, Together, uh, they control the world. They certainly control financial sectors. You could argue that they will have a lot to do with our election because of what Google's doing or not doing, that it seems to me as a pedestrian, they're doing everything they can to suppress what's going on with conservative school of thought. I see nothing about shutting down Michael Moore, but I see a lot about uh, marginalizing Fox and and, uh, Breitbart. And someone got behind Drudge because I don't know what happened. So we have a lot to discuss. Mercedes Schlapp at the bottom of the hour, as I mentioned, bring us inside the Trump team, which I think is doing a heck of a lot better now, especially over the last two weeks. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've increased production of test swabs from 30 million per month in June to 56 million per month now. And we'll produce over 100 million swabs per month by January. Look, I don't think testing's anywhere where it should be. We got the tests, we got the swabs, we had to get the reagent and the results. Coronavirus cases, though, good news, going down. Below 60,000 in this country for the second straight day. Two vaccines move closer to approval for mass use, as countless other nations seem to be dealing with a possible second wave. So maybe it isn't all Donald Trump's fault, and maybe China is to blame. Maybe it's time for them to write a huge check to the world. Number two. I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president? Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. Should there be sports right now, though? Should, should Major League Baseball go on? Well, the it NFL seems do? to me. <laughs> the Biden questions. Yeah, he speaks about the economy. I got details. He answers. Biden Biden leaves his basement and highlights his spending plans. How does seven trillion sound? And listen to the questions he got. What's with the Marlins? Please. Number one. Yeah, but this is a hearing. I thought I was the one that was supposed to be heard. No, I gave instructions as to what the my time. Yeah, I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. I just asked for a yes or no. So let me just tell you. I'm starting to lose my temper. Oh, really? Starting to lose your temper because he wanted to answer your question? Sickening. The bar boss. Dems long-awaited opportunity to question bar devolves into a hostile five-hour brawl. We'll bring you the lowest of lowlights and the reality of law and order in America. 
Hi, everybody. I'm officially here. BrianKilmeadeShow.com if you have to listen on the stream. Uh, or if you want to get on the app, if you have to leave our local affiliate, just go to Radio.com. And ho- it carries everything. So let's get started. Uh, they talked about the riots. They call them protests. Really? Uh, I love the way Jim Jordan started yesterday. Jim Jordan started yesterday by rolling in the Dorn family, talking about the death of their father, of their husband, talk about what it meant. And he was a retired police lieutenant who was killed in St. Louis. And then they talked about the raging fires, the attack on federal buildings, and the defilement of police cars that have taken place. I thought we could agree with a riot was and what a good protest is. We have been seeing riots. Yeah, they start in many cases protests. And I think that there's some people out there for the right reasons. But they have devolved into chaos in Seattle, devolved into chaos into Portland. What do I have to explain to you about what's happening in Chicago? What do you not understand about what's happening in New York and Philadelphia or Austin, Texas? These are not protests for racial justice. And that's where the rubber hit the road. They wanted to basically pin this on Trump and the attorney general that cops are being attacked, that police are the problem, that the federal agents there to help police are the issue. I think the American people can see through this. And I always use this example. There are great people on both sides of the stem cell issue. And we can argue that intelligently on both sides. This is black and white. And I'm not talking about race, black and white. But to give you an idea of what you missed and the hostility that was tossed around, let's listen to Bill Barr. Try to get a word in. And you'll recognize some of the voices. Just know these are Democratic voices. They only rec- got two minutes, sir. That they recognized. Mr. Barr, if I Yeah, but this is a hearing. I thought I was the one that was supposed to be heard. No, I gave instructions no, no, no. as to what the... Reclaiming my time. Yeah, I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. We were not taking down public health orders. We were making narrow... Gentlemen's time is... is We were calling attention to the fact... Will you restore my time because this witness is speaking over my time? You went over time. Let the witness respond. Mr. Barr, I just asked for a yes or no. So let me just tell you, I'm starting to lose my temper. I'm very... I am aware of protesters in the federal government. This is my time and I control it. I'll get to that, Mr. Barr. I mean, does it have to do with quibbling I will get to that, claiming my time. You answered the question. Okay. I have another question for you. On June 19th of no, 2020. Actually, I need to answer that question. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, you did answer the question. No, you I'll said under penalty of perjury. I'm going to answer the damn question. And I, he must be saying at some point, I'm 70 years old. I've already been Attorney General, respected in Washington and around conservative thought. Do I need this? But now I think it's personal. I mean, they're going after him. They talked about uh, the riots, Lafayette Square, Roger Stone going after Trump enemies and making sure that Trump friends are taken care of. Uh, Attorney General after Attorney General. Jim Jordan, thank goodness he was there. He understood injustice and what a joke this was. And he understands that Democrats are cutting out ads to show they're tough on crime. But just keep in mind, the Democrats are very close to taking the Senate. Nobody's talking about them giving up the House. And right now, Joe Biden leads in the uh for the presidency leads. I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm saying he leads. Republicans got to get it together. And I don't mean for them. I mean, for the country, because with these other people in charge, they're not looking to make our country better. I think they're looking to totally change it and not for the better, in my view. So when Nancy Pelosi, the biggest disappointment of a, of a political leader in my lifetime, who really lost me at ripping up, lost me before this, but just destroyed any th- hope I thought that she would come together when the issues were right, when she tore up the president's inaugural uh, uh, State of the Union address said this after watching that, cut 13. 
It demonstrated to the American people the contempt uh, that he has for our democracy. He should be answering for what he did at Lafayette Square, a disgrace. Hmm. So this is, uh, it's really, he was like a blob. He was like a, uh, just a, a, a henchman for the president of the United States. No, what he's not? He's not Jeff Sessions, who's a nice man, but totally overwhelmed by the position who let everything go from the Russia investigation, just stampeded him. He wasn't able to do any of this. He wasn't able to not only watch the president's back, just look forward to the to pushing forward with the Republican agenda and bringing law and order to uh, to Capitol Hill. And the fact that he is very good, the fact that he is very bright, the fact that he's very experienced to me, they didn't let him finish, not because he was going to filibuster. Because he had answers. And they do not want to talk about Russia. They have no interest in going over that because that story is totally switched because he understands it. Molly Hemingway, Cut 19. Imagine what they'll do. And also, it's what they were unable to do with Barr because this is a man in full possession of his faculties. Uh, He's had a full professional career. He brings a lot of experience and wisdom and gravitas. He is a statesman. He is actually able to handle what Democrats are throwing at him. But if they are to turn that same sort of hate and viciousness against a typical Republican, I think a lot of people understand that's what they want to do and it's what they will do if they have more power. In many ways, what we saw today was probably the best example of the choice facing American voters. That's key. And that's why I bring it up. I know you don't need to see an afternoon uh, demonstration to see the the distance between the two parties. But I just want you to know where this election's going. So Joe Biden took some questions yesterday. He gave a speech. And in his speech, it was concise, right to the point. And to, to his credit, it wasn't terrible. There were long pauses instead of confusing words that he just throws out. And when we look into presidential politics, he talked about the wealth gap and he talked about bringing jobs home. He talked about bringing manufacturing home. Isn't that interesting? So bring manufacturing home. He says, we don't make steel anymore. Really? Uh, And he says, we don't make our own pharmaceuticals. When did that happen? Did that happen just in those three years that Donald Trump took over? Or were you watching for 44 years when all these trade deals were cut, the Republicans were in favor of too? That's debatable about global economics and, the, and how it leads to peace or doesn't. And now he wants to bring everything home. At the same time, he wants to bring things home by making it more attractive for business. And how do you do that? He's also going to raise the corporate tax rate. Now, Does anyone argue that reducing the corporate tax rate makes it more makes it possible for these corporations to bring things home? Why would raising it from 21 percent to 28 percent help bring business home to America? At least acknowledge that you've learned from watching Trump for the last three years that he was wrong for 44. So. When he's up there, you would think that he's going to lay out an agenda. When he's stealing phrases from Donald Trump, something would come up saying, are you admitting that America first, making America great again, and the economic philosophy behind it is something you can embrace? No. Listen to some of the questions that Joe Biden had from reporters. 25. We've had these meetings in Dover the last three, or Delaware the last three weeks. I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. 
are you still targeting early August? Are there specific states right now that you think should halt their reopenings and roll things back? The president in his tweets and his campaign and the television ads they're running is warning that if you're president, we would see similar scenes throughout the country. I wonder how you would respond to that. Why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president? Can you describe your evolution in terms of what you view as achievable uh, if you're elected and sworn in as president? Should there be sports right now, though? Should, should Major League Baseball go on? Well, the it NFL seems do? to me. Okay. I don't mind civil conversations and, and polite conversations and questions. If there wasn't such a contrast with how they're treating the president of the United States, just remember, it was just a few years ago when Barack Obama went seven and a half years without a tough question. He would barely call on James Rosen or Ed Henry or anybody else with Fox. And I bring up Fox because nobody else had a hostile question for him, except for maybe Breitbart screaming out in the Rose Garden one day, which I thought was inappropriate at the time. But there's a desperation there. Please notice the different tone when it comes to vote. If you're one of those independents, if you're going from issue to issue who just bleeds red, white, and blue and not red or blue, just please notice who's giving you the information outside Fox. At Fox, you get a bunch of different opinions. You got a different sense on the weekends. You got a different sense at 7 than you do at 9, obviously. Different sense at 8 than you do at 6, obviously. That's what's so great about our channel. And I'm biased, sure. Been here for 22 years. Been doing this show uh, for 10. So I definitely am biased towards the fact that I don't get up every day and say, Donald Trump, another perfect day. Let's go review it. I call it out and it drives a lot of you nuts. But I think I'm fair. There's no fairness here. Why would someone hear this and not say you're stealing from Donald Trump? Cut 27. Using federal dollars that have already been appropriated to Focus them on building things that make us increase our independence so we don't have to rely on anyone else for whether it's cybersecurity and cyber information. We have the capacity to do it at home. Do them at home. Hmm. The president doesn't want to bring use government dollars to bring American businesses home, but he's saying bring things home. Good. Uh, how about energy independence? Does that matter? Because he says he doesn't want to stop fracking, but the minute he takes office, there's going to be all this pressure to stop fracking. That means goodbye, Ohio and Pennsylvania, if you're honest. But is he talking about expanding fracking? That's what the president would do. So that's the future. If you want to be independent, then you allow our energy sector to make us the number one energy producer in the world, natural gas and oil. Don't say you want to be energy independent and then want to put a trillion dollars into solar cars. Uh, to start a government program that's already failed, called Solyndra, that the Chinese come in and buy. one 408 I told you I had a lot to say. Mercedes Schlapp in 15 minutes, but good news is you're next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. What makes me concerned for the country is this is the first time in my memory that the leaders of one of our great two political parties, uh, the Democratic Party, are not coming out and condemning mob violence and the attack on federal courts. Uh, Why can't we just say, you know, the violence against federal courts has to stop? Could we hear Brian, something like that? Yeah, we never heard that. Instead, it's your federal agents protecting courts have made inflamed good protesters and made them angry. And, and I read this to you yesterday, and I'll do it at some point today. An AP reporter was embedded in with the federal agents, and you have to see what he wrote about what he saw over the weekend. Meanwhile, we just got reports. It was in the New York Post today. Imagine other places that the future of federal agents in Portland – uh, Portland, as well as Seattle, are going to be announced today. We did know the mayor said, I'm going to meet with Homeland Security, because originally he didn't want to, about uh, Mr. Wheeler, about the future of these agents in the area, because they want him out. Now, keep in mind, this is a win-win for the president. He went in there to help out. They did great. They don't like it. Some they got rough. Others got hit. Whatever the situation is, they pull out, and unrest continues. Then who are you going to blame? Who are you going to blame? Michael, listening online in Georgia. Hey, Michael. Good, good morning, Brian. Uh, wasn't it maddening watching the liberal bullies filibuster A.G. Barr's answers to their own questions? Yep. That was just maddening. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. Hey, but I was able to watch a little of Biden's news conference, and he knew the names of the reporters, which is not that unusual since you only have like five or six in the room. But he referred to his notes a lot during that news conference. I just have a suspicion he had those questions ahead of time and had his answers written out in front of him. Because, you know, we've seen that before, and, of course, the mainstream media would say nothing about, oh, yeah, we had, he had the questions ahead of time. Yeah, just I mean, a, but they weren't even hard questions. And the little things that he threw out, oh, yeah, I don't think we can have sports. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, what state would you shut down? Which one wouldn't you? I don't know. I have to take a look at it. Well, those are fascinating answers. You think Trump gets away with that? No. 
and everything that he has proposed to do. And he said, when it comes to a vaccine, what are your plans for getting that vaccine to people? Should they get it to, to market? President has a plan. He's already mobilized the military ready to deliver it. If anybody prepared for that presser, that would have been the question I asked. You said earlier that it, where does the plans for the vaccine? The president's going to use the military. Is that a mistake? So it's just crazy to see the contrast right in front of us between Barr and Biden in the same day at the same time as we saw the weaving back and forth. I thought that was noteworthy. So when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Mercedes Schlapp, senior advisor of the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign. And one of the things they're going to be talking about is where they're going to be heading without a convention speech and more. What are they going to be doing in order to set up an event to allow the president to get the momentum he needs through August into September, setting up, getting close enough to win it all in the debates? It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. They're going to try to figure out how to trick you all so I can meet with them in person. <laughs> you got crews outside my house. I don't think it matters, actually. Um... What I said was that I will, uh, I'm going to have a, a choice in the first week in August. And, uh, and I promise I'll let you know when I do. And that is Vice President of the United States taking as many tough questions yesterday. And I'm being sarcastic uh, at his press conference. To his credit, he did uh, deliver a speech, no major gaffes. And he did take some questions uh, not very tough. Mercedes Schlapp joins us, senior advisor for the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign. Mercedes, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Brian. It looks like it's Kamala Harris, uh, number two. Uh, I'm being, <laughs> they're denying it, but nothing else makes any yeah. sense anyway, even if we didn't see it on his uh, notes. Mm. You know, I think obviously she's one of the stronger contender for him. I, you know, they, they seem to have this uh, relation, close relationship, despite the fact that it was Kamala Harris, remember, when she... Uh, pretty much punched, you know, Biden in the face when it came to these racist comments that he had made and attacking him on the his uh, uh, approval, the busing policy. And this was back in one of the debates. And I think that was one of the highlights of of that debate where Kamala was trying to salvage her own campaign. So it's really going to make for some interesting, an interesting combination if he goes in that direction. And obviously, you know, with Kamala Harris that she, as a former prosecutor, uh, was one of those that I think uh, for for Black Americans they would be very concerned of having her on the ticket. So I think, you know, it's interesting. Yes, it could be Kamala. I think that you know you look at Susan Rice as another possibility, very close to the Obamas. I, I my guess is that the Obamas are very involved in this process too, and putting influence on who they would like to see on the ticket. Uh, so it, it, we'll see. You know, you've also seen Elizabeth Warren pop up as one of the names as well. Uh, so it, it, at this point, what's interesting is this is, a, you know, this, this is our speculation. We're trying to figure out who it's going to be. At the end of the day, the face of the Democrat Party is Joe Biden. And he's made a very clear decision to support and, and really uh, bind himself to the socialist wing of the Democrat Party. He, uh, he does not have Rashida Tlaib's endorsement. 
He has uh, one state senator came out, Democratic state senator came out and said uh, the choice is like eating a, a bowl of blank, uh, meaning Biden. You know that 400 people aren't signing on to the party platform, 400 delegates uh or 600 delegates out of 4,000 because the Bernie Sanders wing is not happy what's in the platform for Democrats. There could be a fracture taking place similar to 2016. When will you know if that's real? I think the fracture exists. In fact, I think Joe Biden has had a very difficult time unifying that party. It's why he ended up signing up with Bernie Sanders on the Socialist Manifesto. But you brought up a good point. Nina Turner, uh, one of the Bernie Sanders supporters and obviously very involved in Bernie Sanders campaign. Not only does she make those comments about uh, about Bert, about Biden, but she also talked about the fact that Biden has betrayed black America. And so this idea that uh, they that they are trying to even accept Biden. Look, I don't think that 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 part of the party is happy with Joe Biden, despite the fact that Bernie's trying to stay close to to Joe Biden. And it's why you see Biden really highlighting, for example, AOC as a as being, you know, a climate advisor or Beto O'Rourke as the anti-gun czar. He is going and and, and trying to just reach out to the far left because uh, he wants to be accepted by the far left. The problem is, is that that's not where mainstream America is, Brian. We know that these candidates during a general election need to run in the center. It's a way you attract independent voters. And I just think that his strategy is one that I think at the end will prove to fail because you can't go that far left and, and be in line with defunding the police and these radical agenda items that Bernie Sanders is pushing. I mean, they're trying yeah. to push now single payer, you know, the single payer as part of the Democrat platform, which, you know, be interesting to see how that fight yeah. will uh, unravel. So I'm watching all those Democrats question Bill Barr saying these peaceful protests are, are turning radical because of the thuggish acts of federal agents. At the same time, Joe Biden saying there are peaceful protesters and for the rioters, they should be prosecuted, tried and prosecuted and jailed. Which one is it? Are they protesters made worse by Donald Trump's federal agents or are they rioters that need to be jailed? If you're tough on crime, you will lose a lot of the black, uh, the, the Black Lives Matter vote. And you're going to lose a lot of the progressives who believe police are the problem. And I think it's noteworthy to see 300 separate law enforcement groups are not showing up at the DNC, sending, I believe, a message to the Democrats. We're not buying this whole uh, this whole, well, we're not going to defund the police thing. Yeah, I, first of all, we just got the president. Trump just got the endorsement of the National Association of Police Organizations that they know is going to stand with law enforcement. And that group alone represents about 241,000 law enforcement officers. These guys, Brian, had endorsed Barack Obama and Joe Biden back in 2008, yep. 2012. I mean, let's think about that. They've literally shifted over. I had an opportunity to interview the president of that organization, and he basically said that what was so disturbing is that the Biden camp was silenced. They never reached out to the association. They didn't uh, invest in having even a conversation with them. And it was very clear that based on what he's seeing, the rhetoric of Joe Biden of not condemning the violence, 
of basically saying in one of the interviews that the police have become the enemy and that he would redirect funding away from the police. You're talking about one other element that's so disturbing is the elimination of immunity. So let's say something happens to the police officer. They would basically that lawsuits would would it would lead to lawsuits or uh, that would obviously I mean, no one would want to go into law enforcement if they're going to go after you. Mm-hmm. And so I think for uh, Biden, it's a big problem that you have these law enforcement uh, organizations more and more turning against Biden, recognizing that they are that Joe Biden will not protect not even the police officers, but not protect their families. And that's, I think, a very dangerous proposition. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Americans want safe communities. I think that's the priority. And you know what's so sad? That if you move away from our police organizations, the, the the ones that are impacted the most are the Latino and Black communities, because they're the ones that need the community policing so that there could be uh, that relationship between community leaders and the police. Right. But we've seen Democrat policies fail time and time again in these major cities where you're seeing a surge of violent crimes because they're demoralizing the police department. So I want you to do with uh, what Joe Biden said yesterday. And tell me if this doesn't sound a little like you guys. Cut 32. The idea that we can continue to be in a circumstance where we reward companies for government contractors for going overseas to make their products, that we can continue to provide tax breaks for that effort. When we find we come up short with everything from reagents or nasal swabs to not being able to provide for the kinds of steel we need to do certain things in American ships and the like. So he's saying we got to bring jobs home while raising the corporate tax rate. But where was he for 44 years? Yeah, where where was he? (laughs) Great question. Uh, You know, I think that his one of the biggest issues that we have with his economic agenda is that you are increasing the corporate taxes. Uh, not only that, higher than in countries like China. Just think about it. Think about it. So if you're a company and you're saying, well, China's corporate tax is lower, where are you going to go, Brian? Are you going to stay in the U.S. and invest no. in our workers? Or are you going to go abroad? So his policies are one that actually uh, destroy American jobs. And it is so anti-American worker because he doesn't understand the fundamentals of an economy. And we know that because during the Obama-Biden rule administration, you saw the weakest uh, and, uh, recovery and the slowest recovery since the Depression. And so he they're all about let's place higher taxes, more government control, more regulations. And we know that that's a formula for a for a disastrous economy. And that is just in complete opposite with what we've seen with President Trump in terms of understanding what policies are effective in creating a prosperous economy that benefit American workers. So I noticed, uh, and I've been saying this on the show, over the last 10 days to 14 days, really since there's been a change with the campaign, the president seems very disciplined. He had the coronavirus, I care. Uh, Masks, I'm wearing them. China couldn't be more comprehensively tough. And uh, when it comes to getting a vaccine, zoned in. So could you bring us inside the campaign for a moment and let us know between governing and campaigning and in a very unique situation with the pandemic what's been going on what changed well you know i've i've 
actually have had the great honor of working with Bill Stepien and Justin Clark and Nick Trainer at the White House during my time at the White House. So I've gotten to know them and work closely with them. And I will tell you, they bring uh, such a vast political expertise to the campaign. Um, you know, Bill is a numbers guy. He understands the polls inside and out. He is reaching out, talking to, for example, we had a call with the national, you know, with all the grassroots across the country, and he provided his vision for how we're going to get to 270. And what we're doing in particular states, we're not only defending the states that we have that we won, but also expanding into these states like Maine, Nevada, New Hampshire. It, he understands ground game very effectively. And the other thing he understands and and is working on is the mail-in ballot situation, which we know in some states this could get very tricky. So I have to say, I, I, I've really, I have known Bill for a long time. I've known Justin and Nick. They are brilliant political strategists. These are humble guys who just, you know, work day in and day out uh, and really has uh, brought in a very, you know, really bringing in the whole campaign and understanding what direction we need to go in. And I think is obviously very well respected across the board, uh, not only here at the campaign, but at the White House. But how do you get the word out without rallies? How do you do it without surrogates? How do you do it without unifying and collaborating? And I know Zoom is effective in the workplace, but with campaigning, how do you get that sense of team and unity never being in the same place and never having a candidate sell out an 18,000-seat arena? I know. I know. It's like the new, I mean, it's the new campaign model. And I think one of the things we're doing is we've, I was last week in New Hampshire and Maine. We take, took our big pink bus for women for Trump and we're hitting, you know, they're, what we do is they're, they're smaller events, but they're very effective events. We're going to the field offices. We're meeting with volunteers. We're able to talk about the president's record. We're able to hit Biden. Uh, you know, we're really penetrating into these local media markets that we need to be in uh, very, very effectively. And obviously, you know, there is a change because we look, I miss the rallies. I think the president is it's one of his best ways to communicate to the American people. But it's not stopping us. I mean, we're getting out um, across the country. As Laura Trump, when I was with her last week, she said, we're going to wear our mask and we're going to go everywhere we can go. And uh, and that's the goal is really deploying our surrogates uh, effectively into these key markets. Obviously, the vice president's on the road constantly, you know, and the president obviously has his job to do as president um, in going into these different states mm. and being able to talk about how he's working on defeating coronavirus and what economic policies are working effectively. I mean, today right. he's going to be in Texas and we'll talk about, uh, the, you know, what we've done to become an energy independent country. If we move towards a Joe Biden presidency, that would be destructive, completely destructive for our energy industry and would impact states like Texas, like Pennsylvania. So that's, you know, I, I think that you have to be creative. And I think one of the ways we've also done this is through Team Trump Online. Right. We get one million unique views a night. And that is uh, very impressive. And we do a lot of uh, just talking about Joe Biden's record and interviewing individuals who have been impacted and have benefited from President Trump's accomplishments. Right. It's a great way to connect. You know, we're in a world right now right, where Mercedes, it's just, a lot of... Yeah, I'm up against the break. Just real quick. Uh, this is what people who want to see Donald Trump win are concerned about. That uh, Jared, who's been so effective, has never run a campaign before and he's in charge. And guys like David Bossie and Corey Lewandowski are on the outside. Guys that understand the president and one last time. Uh, as well as Steve Bannon. 
who, uh, I mean, why not get the band back together to a degree? Look, the ba- here's the deal. Jared Kushner was one of the most important figures in the campaign in 2016. I've spent time with Jared. He is incredibly effective. He know- talks about someone who knows the president. It's Jared Kushner. And he's been able to put a very talented team together. And let me tell you, Corey and David Bossie, Corey was with us last week in New Hampshire. I mean, they are also part of the team. So I know that there's, you know, the palace intrigue of who's in, who's out. Yep. And these guys are in. I mean, Corey and da- David Bossie are very important. What about Kellyanne? Ensuring. And Kellyanne as well. I mean, she was just here at the campaign office yesterday. And, you know, she's on TV. She's fighting the great fight. And so that's part of the, you know, this is always like the palace intrigue component. But at the end of the day, Jared is providing great direction. Mm-hmm. We've got, I think, a very strong team in place. I think we're very focused. And look, it's going to be a drag out fight, as Bill Stepien says all the time. And we're going to run like we're the underdogs and we're not going to take any of these votes for granted. But I will tell you, I've worked on several presidential campaigns. This is the most organized, sophisticated ground game I have seen in my lifetime. And I expect mm-hmm. us to make sure that we deliver. And it's going to be, you know, it's right. going to be a tough race. We're not going to take that for granted. Well, you sound happier than you did when you were inside the White House, because I know you're working 100 hours a day. Um, Mercedes <laughs> Slap, a senior advisor for the Trump-Pence uh, 2020 campaign. Thanks a lot, um, Mercedes. And tell Matt we said hi. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Back in a moment with your calls. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president? Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. Should there be sports right now, though? Should, should Major League Baseball go well, on? Well, it NFL seems do? to me. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm fine. John King, a follow-up? Senator Obama, a minute ago, Jorge Ramos asked if there was anything we could get you, and you said, quote, No, thank you. I'm fine. My question is, are you sure? Because it's, you know, it's really no trouble. (laughs) That's when SNL was funny. They made it the fact that Barack Obama has said it had the media so entranced that Hillary Clinton was complaining. I don't I get all the tough questions, especially during the debates. What about Barack Obama? You can't even find I don't even know how you found it, Eric, on the website to find that clip. It's very hard to find, right, on SNL? It took me long enough just to find that one clip. Yeah. There's an even funnier line when they offer him a pillow. Yeah. That's what I can't find. You could not find that? Nope. Can't find it. So that is really the nature of the Biden press conference yesterday. And I'm not going to stop bringing up the comparisons. Al, Alabama. Al. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, I want to get you a little bit off where you are right now. I want to give you some experience I had last week with millennials. I'm a 61. I'm sorry. And you want to focus on how young people get the news. Like, real quick, tell me how, yeah. how you find they're finding it. Well, I'm a conservative. My two children uh, have moved in the university, socially liberal. And I find out from them they're getting their news from Twitter and Facebook. I met with three millennials this earlier this week from my church. All three. These are all sharp kids. But they've been brainwashed by our universities. And Snapchat. Thanks for that, Al. I'm going to bring that up, too. We're trying to be a presence there. 
Brian Kilmeade Show. Appreciate it. Busy hour. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. You can't say this president is not somebody that's available. I mean, my goodness. Now he's got Kaylee McEnany doing regular updates. Now he's got his 5 to 6 o'clock updates on the coronavirus, which thankfully we've had a couple of days of decreases, significant decreases. And now the president's like meeting somebody just delayed on tape, just fed in. Uh, before he hops on his chopper, he's in the back with Steve Mnuchin, 100-degree weather, and Mark Meadows. They're waiting to fly into Texas. And he's taking probably 20 minutes worth of calls. He's just walked away now. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Happy to come to you uh, from New York and heard around the country and around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. A lot to discuss. You saw what happened yesterday. Biden actually makes a statement and takes questions. A.G. Barr goes in front of a hostile House committee, and I'm going to bring you some of those, some of that news. The president goes and speaks about the coronavirus. Uh, all at the same time, basically, at the same time in sports, you have a bit of a, a crisis as the Marlins have 17 players test positive. And it was up to Joe Biden. Baseball will be over. So is sports. We're 28 players. I think 28 players in the NFL have decided not to go to camp. Just take their $250,000 and not play. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've increased production of test swabs from 30 million per month in June to 56 million per month now, and we'll produce over 100 million swabs per month by January. All right, the coronavirus. Uh, cases down uh, below 60,000 for the second straight day. Two vaccines move closer to approval uh, for mass use as countless other nations seem to be dealing with a possible second wave of infections. Maybe it isn't all Donald Trump's fault, perhaps. Number two. I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president? Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. Should there be sports right now, though? Should, should Major League Baseball go well, on? Well, it NFL seems do? to me. <laughs> he speaks, he answers. Hyden Biden leaves his basement and highlights his spending plans. How about $7 trillion? Plus, the very easy questions. What a diver- diverse display as opposed to what the president gets and just got. Uh, and an implausible stand on law and order from Biden. If he believes what he says, he will leave most of the Democratic behind. Number one. Yeah, but this is a hearing. I thought I was the one that was supposed to be heard. No, I gave instructions no, no. as to what the... my time. Yeah, I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. I just asked for a yes or no. Move. So let me just tell you, a qu- I'm starting to lose my temper. Uh, <laughs> he speaks... Yes, the bar bust. Dems' long-awaited opportunity to question bar devolves into a hostile five-hour brawl, maybe longer. We'll bring in the low light, lowest of lowlights and the reality of law and order in America. Congressman, I get hostility. I understand elections next. But as we bring in Congressman Doug Collins, who wants to be the next senator from Georgia, and I know what the stakes are, but I think that there's got to be a degree of civility. And I didn't see that yesterday. Did you? No, there has to be, Brian. I mean, the people expect us to get up here and act like, you know, grown-ups. I mean, this is not this is the United States House, the Judiciary Committee, 
you know, but but I also have to say, in all honesty, in the last 19 months, can you tell me uh, really one time that the House Democrats and Judiciary Committee have acted with civility when it came to this president or anything that they think uh, has to deal with him? And Bill Barr, it, it's personal, it seems like, but as much as it is with the president, it seems like it's personal with Bill Barr. But, you know, if, to say things like, I'm, I'm getting upset now, well, let him answer just because he doesn't answer the way you want it doesn't make it a wrong answer. You know what it's like to be in a debate where the person you're up against is so good you try to go plow right through his answer or her answer. They didn't know they know he has an answer on Russia. They know he has an answer on Antifa. They know he has an answer on riots. They know he has an answer on Roger Stone. So what do you do? You come out with a question and don't let him answer because you're not convinced that you got the follow up. Am I correct in that approach, that strategy? Well, that, you are correct, and it's what they employed all day yesterday. I, actually, Brian, this shows how bad it is. I had a guy, a friend from the state of Georgia, text me last night. He said, what does it actually mean when you reclaim your time? And I said, well, let's just put it in plain English. I don't like what you're saying, so I want, I want to talk again. That's all they're saying because they didn't like his answers, and they said, we'll just get our sound bites in and hope nobody realizes that he, didn't answer the, that he answered the question or tried to. So – what I always thought we'd be talking about the unrest, not whether unrest is happening or not. You, do you really, when you talk to Democrats behind the scenes, do they understand that this civil unrest in these cities is not people protesting for racial equity? Do they understand the difference and refuse to say it? Uh, a few do, but I'm not. I, I've now become the conclusion, Brian, that, that there's a lot that don't, and, and they, they've so ingrained themselves. With this idea, these are peaceful protesters, peaceful protesters. I'm going to give you a – just think about this, you and your listeners. Say, what do you bring to a peaceful protest? Peaceful protest, you get your uh, peace poster board, you make a sign, you wear a T-shirt, you, you might bring a whistle, you bring, you know, to, to make noise, a noisemaker, you bring those kind of things, and, you know, and banners and posters. That's what you bring to a peaceful protest. What you don't bring to a peaceful protest is bottles of kerosene and gasoline, Molotov cocktails, loaded clips. You bring bolt cutters. You bring chainsaws. You bring uh, industrial-grade fireworks. That's what you don't bring to a peaceful protest, and those that's what they're bringing to these events. And so I think they've just so blinded themselves out of blind rage against this administration and this attorney general that they can't bring themselves to realize that the whole movement has been hijacked by the, the just the thugs, the Antifa and, and others who are just taking over this, and they can't bring themselves to realize it because it undercuts their entire argument. And when they undercut their entire argument, they've got nothing else to talk about. So you looking to be the next senator from Georgia. And right now in two main polls, uh, the Gravis poll and the University of Georgia poll, you're up by two. And you call it, it's a jungle primary, right? Everybody's in it together? Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 20 right. of us, yes. So how has Georgia changed? If you were in this race 10 years ago, as opposed to being today, because we keep hearing Georgia and Texas uh, eventually will go into the Democratic column. What would stop that from happening in your mind? Uh, our candidacy, I think, for one thing, one who actually speaks to real issues and speaks to issues of all uh, the different demographics and, and, you know, taking things like first step criminal justice reform, opportunity zones, lifting everyone up. And also, frankly, instead of what we used to do in, in Georgia, Georgia's always been closer than what everybody thought it was. I mean, we're still 10 to 12 points difference, and, and we won as Republicans. But we failed to convince people why uh, conservatism matters. And, yeah, those polls show us up by two. We're actually up by more than that, those uh, Democrat-leading polls that, that had the different issues. But that's fine. We're up, and we're going to win because we're actually speaking to the real issues of, of safety and security and, and economic growth. And Georgia's one of the most vibrant economies in the country. What's changed is, is now we're having to make sure that we communicate that message much better than we did in the past. And the Democrats are using uh, a lot of, uh, you know, 
their normal tactics to try and undercut a, a movement in uh, Georgia. But right now, you know, they're it's, you know they're they're having some success, but not a success to win. That's why we got to keep sharing a message that actually works. So what's interesting is Jeff Bezos, uh, Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the and Sinjar uh, Pinchor of Google are all going to be together. I mean, you the four you could argue the the most powerful people in the world, certainly in Amer- the American economy, but they're also communications yep. devices. I want you to hear Alex Marlowe, the Breitbart editor-in-chief. If you don't know, Breitbart's conservative, right? We know someone bought and destroyed Drudge. We don't know what happened to Matt Drudge, but it was a valuable process. Conservative headlines were up there. Some original stories were done. A consolidator, it's gone. Listen to what Alex Marlowe said last night about what Google is doing. Cut 42. Breitbart, we've done deep dive research into our Google traffic comparing it to the 2016 election. And we picked that because we unearthed video a couple of years ago with our own Alan Bakari, who reported on the global vice president of Google, Kent Walker, who said that he's going to endeavor to make populism and nationalism a blip or a hiccup. So we naturally took him at his word, because if you understand the left, you understand that they don't tend to lie about such things. And we started looking at our traffic. And gradually, since the 2016 election, Google's been diminishing our search results. And then all of a sudden, uh, in May of this year, we virtually lost all Google traffic, all search traffic altogether. And this has been going on for a year. We got warned about this from people with the Hoover Institute located in and around Silicon Valley as well, that they feel as though they let the country down in 2016, allowing, get this, quote, air quotes, Donald Trump to win and using their venues to make it happen. Do you do you hear this? And is this tangible? And can anything be accomplished in something like today's hearing? Uh, one, number one, it is tangible. We're actually seeing this. I have actually spoke to Mark Zuckerberg and to Sundar with Google and told them that the, really what they're using to do the censorship is a, is a thing called Section 230, and that's their safe harbor provision. It was originally put in to protect a, a, a nascent, a uh, very young Internet for, so that people could you know, uh, start up chats to do the things that need to happen. But what's happened is now is the biggest of the big companies, such as Google and, and uh frankly, Twitter, Amazon, Apple, uh, Facebook, and all, are now actual publishing platforms. They're actual, you know, uh, content producing or content stealing in many cases. And so uh, that's what has actually happened. I told them that they're going to have to, to that, that 230's got to be changed, and they both they all don't want to do that because that gives them the power to censor the president, censor me. I was off two weeks ago for 36 hours on Twitter. Um, so that's why we helped today to introduce something, not only in this hearing, because antitrust can be used to force the changes in Section 230, but I joined Paul Gosar in, in a, an act today to stop the censorship, but it deals with Section 230. They've got to realize that we're serious about Section 230 because they'll, they'll try to divert it to everything else in the world about how they help businesses and everything else. They don't want to get into that safe harbor because that's their protection to do what they said they want to do, and that's to uh, generally – control thought in the United States to their social media platform. Congressman Doug Collins with us now. He wants to be the next senator from Georgia, and he's running for that seat. Kelly Loeffler was appointed there by the governor, Brian Kemp. And we'll see where uh, we'll see where this goes, because right now he is leading that race, but the Democrats is close as well. So, Congressman, uh, the vice president, former vice president of the United States in his press conference yesterday was talking like he won already. And he also said, uh, I really believe when I get to the White House, I am going to have the Senate. Bring me behind closed doors with Republicans, because now the Cook Report says the Senate is now a leaning Democrat for the first time. And tell me what's happening behind closed doors. Are you worried? 
uh, in any election like this, when you have had for the last you know two years in particular, but you go the last three and a half years of nothing but attacks on the president, Republican Party, and it's just been continual, continual, continual. You always have to be sensitive to that in, in different areas. But I think what is happening here is we're now into 97 days before this election. We're seeing a focused response from the White House. The Senate cam- campaigns in other states are, are coming in, getting dialed into the message. I think the best advertising we have is uh, – Joe Biden coming out of the basement and actually showing, you know, what he believes and what he uh, what he stands for. I mean, he's he whispered. They, I guess they've been whispering to him so long that he's got this in the bag that he doesn't realize he has to actually run a campaign. And so we but but as Republicans, we've got to focus on the messages that, that show the stark differences. Two years, the first two years of the Trump administration, we were able to pass tax reform. We were able to lower regulations. We we're able to, to encourage business and start this economy that is as strong as it is, uh, even through the covid virus that we've had. But then also we can now show the contrast. If you want to see what a Joe Biden administration or a Senate controlled by the uh, Democrats will look like, and if the House were to unfortunately stay in the Democrats, then you can go back to 08, 09, and 10 when the Obama-Biden administration forced upon us Obamacare and Dodd-Frank and, and the other issues that they, that they forced on us, they would do it in triplicate and on steroids now. So the best thing we have is let's compare. Which one do you want, a growing economy in which your liberties are safe or a controlled by government economy in which your liberties are not safe? That's what we've got to start focusing on. Coronavirus update in your uh, in your state? It's going, uh, still having uh, increases. We're seeing increases across the state, uh, but we are also seeing uh, the uh, – Recovery rates are higher, the death rates are lower, and the use of ventilators, which they have found out now, is probably not as, as what they thought needed. Um, it's, it's, uh, they're getting full, but we are maintaining and continuing to, to move through the process. We've got to get through this, and people have to take those precautions seriously. Is it behavioral, or is there something else going on? Is it all about uh, consumers not uh, doing uh, acting responsibly, or is there something else going on? And I bring you to the fact that Germany, Japan, Australia— Spain, uh, just off the top of my head, Hong Kong is now seeing an alarming rise in cases. Wait, and Israel. The, wait a second. Right. I thought we were the problem. Our lack of discipline. Now everyone's feeling it. And I'm starting to wonder, does the virus have a say in this? Is it doing something that maybe we haven't figured out yet? Well, I, I think you're not far off from a, from a great question there because, you know, we've always talked about how this actually occurs. And I think one of the things we saw from the June into July time frame where, you know, you had a lot of folks getting out for the first time. We had the protests. We still have protests. But it also is changing, I think, and also how people, even with masks and other things, maybe how this is actually being transmitted. You know, and I had to, I talked to a, to a hospital administrator just yesterday in which we were discussing the fact of now, you know, when is this actual uh, infection process the, the most uh, meaningful? Because most people now are getting tested either when they're sick or right after they get sick. And I'm wondering if the during that process is the most uh, time for actual infection, and how much is the contact issue going on? I got to go back to it. I think early on we were doing hand washing, the disinfect stuff was really working. We just need to make sure we're continuing to do that. But also, you're right; the virus has a say in this, and it is uh, being transmitted. And we're learning more about it as we go along, even as we learn about new treatments as we go along. Yeah, and Governor Cuomo decided he's going to crack down on lawbreakers, not looters, not rioters, no. but uh, partiers. So and the, he's going after the organizers of a Hamptons party. It's a, it's amazing the way he treats people um, as as opposed to lawbreakers and protesters. But that's what we're dealing with in New York. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, and that's you don't have to deal with that in Georgia. You got a, a much better governor. Uh, Congressman Doug yeah. Collins, thanks so much. 
Right. Thanks so much. You take care. You Bye-bye. got it. Meanwhile, uh, there's a there's a group coming up that you got to know about. It's a GoFundMe page started uh, by a decorated detective, Robert Garland. He's coming up in a half hour. How you can quickly help families of those hurt or or killed in action, keeping us safe. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's when we don't follow the rules and we don't actually do what we say we're going to do. Outdoor dining was outdoor dining. Outdoor dining was not outdoor drinking. Drive-ins, drive-in. You, you're in your car, you drive in, you stay in your car, and you watch the concert. You want to get out, stand next to the car, no concessions, stretch your leg, sit on the hood. There's a square around the space. That's socially distanced. Fine. That's not what the concert was in the Hamptons. This is a law. This is not, please do me a favor. This is a law. There's a civil penalty. There's a criminal penalty. This guy is so out of control, this governor of New York. Uh, Everybody, you're actually going to go after the organizers and people there and try to put them in jail. Give them summonses. Take their liquor licenses. He's hiring spies to walk around the city. Forty have already been hired, destroying their livelihoods. You've already destroyed their livelihoods by not letting them open up in a rapid way, not communicating with them, and not doing everything you can to find out about this virus in order to get them back on their feet. This whole New York City is a ghost town. Thanks to him. The virus hit, yes. Opening up has never been a priority. Keeping power is Eric in New York. Eric. Hey, good Good morning. How are you doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Well, uh, recently Governor Cuomo has stated that he wants to help Major League Baseball by allowing them to play in a bubble in New York State. Uh, with 34 states on his restricted travel and quarantine list, He's sending a message that he doesn't want people coming in the state, yet he wants to bring baseball players in. The average salary of Major League Baseball players is $4.38 million. Can you imagine 30 teams playing 60 games in New York State, how much tax revenue he's going to generate? When he recently said he wanted to tax doctors and nurses for coming and working here voluntarily, now he wants to bring baseball. Yeah, and he wants a big check from the federal government, too. They got to be forced to open up and let us earn the tax dollars. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. information you want truth you demand this is the brian kilmeade show the censorship coming from the big tech giants from california from a you know, as homogenous a group as you could possibly imagine that's for sure and if they're censoring my account they're censoring others they have been trying to do this for a while i've been talking about the the deplatforming, the demonetization of people that have big social platforms that are preaching conservative values you have to note this never happens to someone saying something that benefits the left. It only hurts conservatives. 
Jr. doing an interview yesterday uh, from New York, and he was talking to Tucker Carlson just about the fact that he was suspended for 12 hours. You know what he did? He postponed five doctors talking about the benefits of hydroxychloroquine, not saying that he's a doctor, but what's wrong with that? And what I found most astounding is what he held up right after that, and it's Donald Trump Jr. talking about while he was banned and suspended for 12 hours, while he's been shadow banned and followers seem to miraculously disappear and a lot of his tweets have been somewhat suppressed and he's been noting this, guess what else is happening? No Democrats, no liberals have been suspended that we know of, period. In other countries like Iran and China have been able to infiltrate the message system of Twitter. Let's listen to the other Donald Trump cut. When I posted that video, I didn't say, well, this is the gospel. I said, wow, this is a must watch because it seems very contrary to the narrative that they've been force feeding us for a little while. Now, Twitter takes me down for that, but Twitter has no problem saying coronavirus disinformation spread by the Chinese government does not violate their rules. That's interesting. It it happens all one way. Jake Tapper himself, a few weeks ago, posted, study finds hydroxychloroquine helped coronavirus patients survive better. Why is Jake Tapper not spreading misinformation? But I somehow am. And again, I'm not a doctor. I didn't claim to be. I just put something out there that challenged the narrative. That's it. Why is that a problem? And that, I wouldn't mind if it's just Don Jr. You have something against the Trumps, but it's uh, Breitbart, Daily Cole, and Fox News. The algorithms, which are supposed to be so just based on math, are suppressing these schools of thought. Now, if you're voting for Trump, it's no problem. You're going to note it, but it's not going to matter that much. But if you're up in the air and independent, undecided, or a moderate who sees what's happening on the left and is scared, just say, well, I don't even see Trump doing anything. You know, I don't see much support anywhere. He's going to lose by so much. Why waste my vote? John, listening on WABC, also in New York. Hey, John. Hey, good morning. Uh, we recommend for anyone who wants to get a full understanding of how the media tendentiously, biasedly uh, slants news coverage against Republicans in general and conservatives in general and the Trump administration in particular, uh, to read a copy of The Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. And basically, when you look at the, when you look at the media corporations in and of themselves, um, you, you're talking about four or five mega media corporations that control about 90% of the media landscape. Uh, landscape. And I'm talking about Disney, Viacom, uh, Comcast. Uh, those, those, those three mega media corporations cover the big three networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS. Uh, when you look at the online platforms of uh, whether it's Google that owns YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter, etc. You know, again, there's definitely tendentious bias against conservative viewpoints. And it's not only a violation of the antitrust laws mm-hmm. when you look at these mega media corporations, but you're also looking at violations of civil, and, and civil th- rights. And I think about this. They thought that Donald Trump Jr.'s tweet was dangerous because four or five doctors easily to look up. You might like three, not like like all of them, like none of them. Regardless, hydroxychloroquine two weeks ago uh, passed with flying colors. I think the New England Journal of Medicine, they said it's effective if combined with zinc and given early. That's not, they're not saying fill your body with chlorophyll. Uh, they're not saying, you know, grab opium and uh, digest it as quick as possible. They're talking about a malaria drug that's been around for 60 years. So there's no reason to take this down. Now, it's part of the bigger story that better come out today with Bezos and Tim Cook and Mark Zuckerberg and Pinchar of Google. It, it, 
it's, it shows a point of view. And if, if these companies are allowed to be this powerful and have a point of view, an unelected body, that's a little more than scary. Thanks, John. Alex Marlowe, again, of Breitbart, went on with Tucker a little bit further to say what else he discovered about Google. Cut 43. Let me give you some specific pieces of data. Uh, Google tracks something called a visibility index. This is sort of like their Nielsen score. That's when your content shows up on one of their pages. Breitbart's is down 99.7%. Overall, our Google traffic is down nearly two-thirds. If you want to search for Joe Biden or Biden, the chances of you getting a Breitbart article are virtually zero, unless, of course, you add the word Breitbart. Now, naturally, we looked at other outlets to see if there is a pattern. We compared the top 50 or so top publishers, and we found that eight out of the bottom 10 when it comes to Google search are right of center outlets. That includes Fox News and even the Daily Caller is one of the two outlets that actually somehow performs worse than Breitbart. Is that a coincidence? I doubt it. Rich, listening on the app on Long Island. Hey, Rich. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. A uh, little change of subject. I want to talk about the attorney general's hearing yesterday. Joke. And, you know, a total mess. But here's what we – you can't lose sight of the big picture. And the pride is the truth. And the attorney general has the truth. He knows what the truth is, and you got to get it out to the people. Congress knows what the truth is. They control the microphone, didn't let it get out. The Republicans and conservatives know it. What the attorney general needs to do is have a press conference, and he has to meticulously address every allegation made by Congress yesterday and every question he was asked and not allowed to answer. Good idea. And say, and say if you want to know what I would have said, this is it. I wasn't allowed to say this. And you can address all the deaths, all the people who are dying, all the crime, all the violence, and specifically what the message is. And then you put that video that um, that uh, Jordan put on in the beginning and let the American people see this. It's so important. Yeah, we do it around four o'clock, not at 12 o'clock when uh, people are on vacation or in the pool or working. You know, it was the middle of the day, but it was absolutely terrible. Here's an example of of what it was like being uh, uh, William Barr yesterday. Cut one. Actually, I need to answer that question. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, you did answer the question. No, you I'll said under penalty of perjury. I'm going to answer the damn question. You're what claiming the- my time. Yeah, I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. That, Do you think as the chief reclaiming my time? If you General, want the attorney general to come, at least let General, him answer the questions General, and the accusations made against General, him. Could we take a five-minute break, Mr. Chairman? No. You believe this? Unbelievable. Uh, thanks. That's a great idea, Rich. Doug listening in Ohio. Hey, Doug. Yeah, Brian? Yes. I'm, I'm a retired Army, Reserve Army officer, and... There, I found a couple of things that could be very interesting to your history spots. You've done a really good job with Thank that. Thank you. The first is, was it Appomattox Courthouse? And it has to do with people pulling down statues and wanting to rename army bases. When Lee surrendered to Grant and ending the Civil War. Right. During that, the night before the surrender... Lee and Grant got together, and they just described the conditions of surrender, what would happen the following day. And Grant required unconditional surrender. But he also came back after they discussed this and ordered all of his officers to go out to all the Union troops and deny their 
celebration or partying the night before. He said this was a solemn occasion. The next morning, when the Army of Northern Virginia marched in to surrender their arms, the Army of the Potomac lined up on both sides of the road for about two miles. And the Southern troops were dragging their weapons, and they were a ragtag group. They were, they were starved. They had no right. ammunition. Completely destroyed. Just quick, well, you got to pick up the pace a little. I got to get to other calls. Yeah, okay. Uh, the big thing is that Ulysses Grant knew that the whole point of the war for three and a half years of killing each other was to preserve the Union. And he showed civility and honor to the Southern troops. Right. And we seem to have forgotten that now. No question. And they're taking down the statues and showing absolutely zero civility. And with the what Grant showed, it said, keep your weapons, go home, but pledge your oath to the country. And that was enough. There was no redemption or else it would have had guerrilla war for the next 15, 20 years. What really wiped us out after that was the fact that Lincoln was killed. Because Lincoln combined with Grant, with a guy like Frederick Douglass, would have done the best possible, uh, best possible job uh, humanly possible, in order to make, to bring the South into a uh, a society that did not allow slavery, which means that they got to pay for labor, which means a whole bunch of slaves were free, which means they needed housing and education. And they were prepared to do that. But when Lincoln was killed, Johnson takes over, and he was a drunk racist, and he did not want to put any money into that. Thank goodness there was a balancing power with Grant. And Johnson gave no access to Frederick Douglass, who truly had the voice and ear of the African-American community because he was born a slave, escaped to freedom, got it, won it best-selling author, internationally known. It would have been a much different uh, world today if uh, John Wilkes Booth didn't assassinate our, our greatest president. one 408 I'm going to take a time out and come back with a great story that helps our first responders, uh, the men and women in blue and those who sacrifice so much and are getting so little respect. Don't move. Honest commentary, unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Not many people uh, are lucky enough to have an audience that is so pro-law enforcement as well as uh, so pro, uh, very patriotic audience, very red, white, and blue uh, pro-military. We have one here, uh, heard locally on WRCN in New York, uh, Long Island, and WABC in New York, uh, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Robert Garland is the CEO of, uh, and he just started Fund the First. He's also a decorated detective with the New York City Police Department, under fire at this moment. And he decided he wanted to help out for those families of those who are hurt on the job or killed on the job to make sure the money you give to help out those families that you might not even know but know their story is going to the right people. So they, so he started, co-started, uh, fundthefirst.com. So let's welcome in Robert Garland right now. Robert, uh, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Brian. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Hey, good. I mean, obviously, uh, the men and women of Blue are in the line of fire today, and you decided, while still on the job, 
you're going to help out. Tell me about Fund the First. Yes, of course. So at Fund the First, we've created the first and only verified crowdfunding platform for first responders. So if you're familiar with things like GoFundMe, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, these major crowdfunding platforms out there, uh, there's no vetting or true verification process for people to come on and raise money during their time of need. We recognized this a couple of years ago, and we've been in development, and we finally launched on July 1st. Um, and we've developed the first and only verified and vetted process for first responders to raise money during their time of need. We have a strategic partnership with ID.me. ID.me is the number one verification processor for our first responders. And a beneficiary of the campaign must be a verified beneficiary through ID.me on our platform in order to receive the funds of their campaign. So GoFundMe starts 10 years ago, but they don't have a fraud division. You have a fraud division because I cannot tell you how many people say to me, you know, I'd like to give to that cause. I want to make sure it goes to the family. I want to make sure it goes to the right people. And I want to make sure this is real. You, right. what, you were worried about the same thing. Right, correct. So we recognize this. And actually, the backstory is a really, a really great story and a touching story. Um, when I was, I'm an NYPD, as you mentioned before, of 12 years. Um, and I was in narcotics a couple of years ago. One of my immediate supervisors, uh, his daughter was born with a rare disease. And I mentioned to him, I said, hey, Jason, why don't you come on, go on GoFundMe, let's raise some money for you, or go on one of these other crowdfunding platforms, raise some money, and get some money for you guys doing your hardship. He was very hesitant to do it because of the, the vetting process. There's, anybody could come on GoFundMe or one of these other platforms and steer your campaign. So I recognize this with my team. We recognize this, and we develop the process where there is full vetting and there is full verification to make sure that there are no duplicated campaigns, there's no fraud, there's no scams, and people are trusting the platform. So you want to know that the money is actually going to a verified source. Absolutely. And so if, let's say, we read about something in Chicago, uh, and we see hear about the family, a family of two, uh, we always see about these strategies, 30 years old, and... Uh, he dies in the line of duty, and we want to help. We want to make sure that helps. Can we set up the – and that person wants to find a site. They set up a page with you? Yes, correct. So it's very simple to use. Anybody can be the host of a campaign on our platform. But the unique process that we have is the beneficiary must be either the verified first responder or in the incident of a, of a line of duty death or an off-duty death. We have a vetting process and a verification process where we do verify the next of kin or the family member to make sure those funds are only going to that call. Interesting. So how has it gone so far? I know you were featured in a New York newspaper, Newsday. So how's it going so far? It's going excellent. We have, uh, we have about 12 campaigns on the platform right now. Um, the reason we started, like I mentioned earlier, my uh, one of my immediate supervisors' daughter, uh, Jason, his daughter Callie, she passed away, um, and we have an active campaign for her right now that could be contributed to her. They had a goal of fifteen thousand dollars. They're approaching, they're approaching it right now. They're a little over fourteen thousand dollars. Another notable one that we have on our platform right now that just started a couple of days ago. Uh, retired NYPD Sergeant David Yu, he passed away from nine eleven complications. His wife, Damaris, uh, came on the platform. She verified as a as the beneficiary, and it was hosted by an NYPD captain, uh, Sharon Ballard. Uh, so that campaign, they were looking to raise $5,000, and it's actually almost approaching $10,000 right now in only a couple of days. So we have some really notable cases on the platform, and it's ensuring trust and security for our first responders to know that the money's actually going to that source. Right. So Fund the First is where what you do. What has it been like in New York as a detective seeing the type of 
uh, the situations you're dealing with, from the coronavirus, having to be out there as an essential worker, to all these riots? Well, so I'm, right, I'm here right now. I'm, I'm representing from the first. So I'm not representing the police department or anything like that. Um, I'm actually hurt line of duty. So I've been in the office, so I haven't really been out there a bit. But, um, you know, we're out here. We're trying to keep everybody safe, and that's the most important thing. Have you noticed a big difference uh, where, in terms of the, the health and welfare of the city? Um, in regards to the health and welfare of the city, uh, I'll give an example. One of my fellow detectives that worked in uh, 13 precincts, Robert Cardona, he actually passed away from COVID-19 complications. He's another one that's on our platform right now, and we're raising money for him as well. And they have a goal, and it's, it's going very well. So it is an unfortunate event with everything that's going on. Right. Uh, and this might sadly uh, now need it more than ever. So hopefully, Robert, you can get the word out so people know there's a verifiable place that the, uh, the, the men and women in uniform can go to make sure the money goes to the right people. It's called uh, Fund the First. Fundthefirst.com is where to go. And it's pretty obvious um, how, how to start your own page. Robert, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate it. You got it. one 408 7669 So if you hear about something, you hear about a cause, you can go and know that they're going to run a background check. So if they're up there and that page works, that you have background. So um, keep it here, the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you ever miss the show and want to catch the podcast, go to briankilmeadeshow.com. You also get it on iTunes. You can also get it on iHeart and just about everywhere else. And anytime you want to watch us, Another reason to get Fox Nation. You can watch the three-hour show, all show, every single day, five days a week. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. It's got to be my time to talk. I've heard this before. Chris Tyrell at the bottom of the hour brings us inside the numbers. I tell you, every time I talk to Chris, a lot of times uh, the administration's crashing and burning with some type of uh, controversy. I think for the first time, I think there's a lot of attention on the Biden camp. We're going to bring him there about what's happening with the far left not signing aboard the Democratic platform. The Black Lives Matter co-founder almost in tears saying, I see no racial agenda, race agenda with the vice president running for president, thought to many to be in the lead. Interesting. Uh, and then, of course, we have the one 408 7669 to get your take. Uh, in less than an hour, we're going to see Jeff Bezos for the first time in front of a congressional committee with Tim Cook, with Mark Zuckerberg. It's going to be and with Sundar Pinchar of Google. And if I'm saying it wrong, who cares? Uh, he is going to be there. And I can't imagine them getting things done. What they're going to do is try to keep their status of not being a journalistic tool and – I think a lot of Republicans specifically are going to say, you're a publisher. You're going to have to have some fair use rules. And they are a global entity. They really have been driving the stock market and the success. So I hope things get done because Republicans, more and more evidence shows their message getting suppressed. And that's not paranoia. Sadly, it's fact. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. We've increased production of test swabs. From 30 million 
per month in June to 56 million per month now, and we'll produce over 100 million swabs per month by January. Not enough, though, Mr. President. You got to get better on the reagents. Coronavirus cases, good news. Below 60,000 for the day. Two days in a row. Two vaccines move closer to approval for mass use as countless other nations seem to be dealing with a possible second wave of infection. You don't hear much about that. I'll tell you about it. Number two. I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president? Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. Should there be sports right now, though? Should, should Major League Baseball go well, on? Well, it NFL seems do? to me... <laughs> Listen to those questions. It was like a casual conversation with a guy that retired 20 years ago instead of running for the president of the United States in Kent's time in America, which only reminds me of 1968. Uh, incredible how much easier the questions are for Joe Biden. But yesterday was, well, he speaks, he answers. Hyden Biden leaves the basement and highlights his spending plans. Only $7 trillion. How does that sound? Plus his bland, unplausible stand on law and order. Number one. Yeah, but this is a hearing. I thought I was the one that was supposed to be heard. No, I gave instructions no, as to what the... my time. Yeah, reclaiming I'm answering your question. Well, you got to let him answer. Reclaiming my time. I just asked for a yes or no, so let me just tell you. A qu- I'm starting to lose my temper. Bar bust. Dems' long-awaited opportunity to question Barr devolves into a hostile five-hour brawl, maybe longer. We'll bring in the lowest of lowlights and the reality of law and order in America. The reality is there's a lot of, even though Portland wasn't that bad last night, reportedly, in Seattle, is being to heat up again. You have uh, problems in New York, numbers going through the roof in terms of homicides and shootings in Chicago. Philadelphia is disturbing. Albuquerque, New Mexico is a problem. Someone just goes killed in Austin, Texas. There's a problem in America. And when the president goes to solve that problem by putting federal agents in because he's tired of seeing the anarchy, now he becomes the issue. Here is Bill Barr. Noting since May, George Floyd's death, there's been a lot of protests in America in the middle of a pandemic. And there's not much social distancing when you torch a police car. Cut three. Federal courts are under attack. Since when is it okay to try to burn down a federal court? If someone went down the street to the Prettyman Court here, that beautiful courthouse we have right at the bottom of the hill, and started breaking windows and firing industrial-grade fireworks in to start a fire, throw kerosene balloons in and, and start fires in the court, is that okay? Is that okay now? No, the U.S. Marshals have a duty to stop that and defend the courthouse, and that's what we are doing in Portland. Yeah. We are at the courthouse defending the courthouse. Yeah, it's not the president's secret police. They're marshals, FBI agents uh, from the Border Patrol, ATF, coming together to help out a city that can't control itself and seeing the graffiti just behind these agents in uniform. Yes, riot gear, because they want to come out without a concussion or lose a limb or their eyesight. I don't care how intimidating it looks. It's called staying safe because that's what their main goal is. Come home whole while putting some... Law and order back into American cities. That shouldn't have been controversial. But it was one of the few times Bill Barr, seeking to a Democrat, could actually speak. And by the way, for those who believe that this is protest for racial justice that dates back to 1865, that left front and center a long time ago. And I wish I didn't have to say that, but it's true. In this mess is Antifa. And I hope we're interrogating these people to find out who's paying for them. To not work and create havoc and to be organized in doing it. Cut five. I don't think it's a myth. 
Uh, Antifa is, 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 uh, uh, can be best thought of, I think, as an as a, uh, umbrella term for what is essentially a movement comprised of uh, loosely organized groups around the country. They tend to, to get organized for an event, and uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, organization right before an event occurs, but we see a lot of the organization during the, the mob violence. Yeah. That's when you drop off bats, frozen water bottles, and um, bricks. That's dropped down, and you don't just say, oh, wait a second, my friend's in a fight. Let me go down and help him. I might have brass knuckles in my top drawer. No, there's a bunch of people in a brawl, and you planned it, and you planned for it, and you even planned an escape from it. That is Bill Barr. Cut six if you want to hear an ugly exchange. Just a little about what it's been like. Today, yes or no, Mr. Barr, under the penalty of perjury, do you testify that that statement was true at the time you made it? I I thought it to be true at the time I made it. On Why isn't it true? June, I'll get to that, Mr. Barr. I mean, it, does, it, does it have Mr. to Barr, do with Mr. Barr, I will get to over? that. Reclaiming my time, you answered the question. Okay. I have another question for you. On June 19th of no, 2020. Actually, I need to answer that question. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, you did answer the question. No, you I'll said under penalty of perjury. I'm going to answer the damn question. Okay? You said. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, so, so that's the spirit of what's going on. So at the same time, Bill Hemmer's on, and, and it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and every time I go to zone out on this, because I'm heading home at the time, someone's texting me, are you listening to this? So I put back on, I put it back on, because I got the Fox News app, and they better listen on, on the radio, on the train on the way home. So I'm kind of glued to it, and then Hemmer says, Joe Biden's speaking, and if he answers, if he asks quest, if he answers questions, we're going to go back to him. Guess what? He was answering questions. What was his agenda? Well, he's going to spend roughly $7 trillion, 750000 on racial justice things. He's going to do some infrastructure stuff. And he wants to bring – raise taxes and make corporations come back to make stuff. Number one, if you're going to raise taxes, they're not coming back. Number two, if you were going to bring back manufacturing to America, you should have talked to President Obama because he says it was never happening. Now you say it's going to happen. At least acknowledge that you helped make it happen, that everyone left America because it was cheaper labor. And that was the school of thought. When the President of the United States did something governmental, he went up to Kodak and said, you used to do film. Now you, I'd like you to stockpile, if, I, if you can, reagents. So when we get a vaccine, I want to hear $763 million. I'm going to loan it to you through the Defense Production Act to get this out, to expedite it for d- domestic production of this vaccine that will help, we believe, we're close. We're in the third stage. Uh, America, get off the ground on this. So that's great that Kodak can be that versatile. Meanwhile, Joe Biden uh, out and had an agenda. So what is he going to do? It's his third plank of Build Back Better. Build Back Better, by the way, I've just got text message, was the name of a U.N. program in 2017. So somebody in the Biden camp or Biden himself said, wow, that's a good phrase. It'll work. It'll fly. And turns out they knew for sure because it worked with the U.N. Biden's in trouble because his left wing is not happy with the Democratic platform. Rashida Tlaib, the the really horrendous congresswoman, a part of the squad who's in a fight for her political life, says she will not support him, not vote for him. Nina Turner, state senator, said uh, it's like picking between a bowl of SH and SH, meaning Trump and Biden. A lot of other people say that. Bernie Sanders giving an interview yesterday saying Joe Biden's got to do Medicare for all or else. 
So when Joe Biden had some questions to answer for, here's some of the questions. Listen to these questions and tell me, I'd run for president if these were questions that I would get. Cut 25. We've had these meetings in Dover the last th- or Delaware the last three weeks. I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. Are you still targeting early August? Are there specific states right now that you think should halt their reopenings and roll things back? The president in his tweets and his campaign and the television ads they're running is warning that if you're president, we would see similar scenes throughout the country. I wonder how you would respond to that. Why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president? Can you... Describe your evolution in terms of what you view as achievable uh, if you're elected and sworn in as president. Should there be sports right now, though? Should, should Major League Baseball go well, on? Well, it NFL seems do? to me. Senator Obama, are you comfortable? Unbelievable. Uh, that is Joe Biden. I mean, the ultimate softball questions after 28 days of following him around, waiting for him to emerge from his house, do something newsworthy. You finally get a shot at him. And you're not getting one of those questions was uh, that didn't make it was what states would you reopen? He goes, I don't know. I have to see. OK, and that's it. And believe me, you don't leave the microphone. They were follow up questions. You just don't leave. You ask them quick right after they're done. You read his lip. Boom. Next. And they'll answer him. Or else it looks like he's walking away or afraid to answer the question. Or one of his handlers comes in and knocks you off. So he proposed $2 trillion for climate change, $775 billion uh, for care for seniors. Overall, a spending increase of $7 trillion. He wants to put a commission together to study reparations. First time that's been brought up since the 80s. But now it's part of the Democratic nominee's agenda. Expanding. Um, uh, low-income housing and education. He wants to give money for small business. First thing I'd say is, where have you been with these programs? Why didn't Barack Obama do it? When it comes to law and order, he actually came out and said, we're going to arrest people that break rules and rioters will be uh, jailed and tried. Somebody tell that to the people in Seattle that are defunding the police. Somebody tell that to the law enforcement uh, law enforcement council uh, the, the city council in Portland that is defunding their department 50%. And in Seattle, they made them take down fences that separated the protesters. Oops, I mean rioters. And they are now prevented until September 30th of using any flashbangs, of any tear gas, or any rubber bullets. Typical things used in tools for law enforcement to control riots. Not protesters, riots. So, He's got to be asked about that. He says cops can handle that. Cops are saying we don't have enough people. We've been doing this in Portland for 63 state days. Clearly, they can't control it. They don't have the numbers and they don't have the political will backing them. We're going to take a time out and get to your calls. 1-866-408-7669. I'll go to St. Louis and we'll stop in Tulsa and go back to New York. Uh, Chris Dyerwell at the bottom of the arrow. We'll unwind this and we'll also talk about the latest in the coronavirus. And we do wait. Uh, Louis Gohmert's on the committee that's going to have a chance to question the most powerful people in business in the world in just a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
a talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I think I have laid out the most detailed plans on the economy and on issues relating to health care and the rest of any president in modern history. I mean, it's awful detail. If, if I'm elected and this passes, uh, I'm going to be good to go down as one of those progressive presidents in American history. But none of the things I'm talking about are inconsistent with a free market. They're not inconsistent with capitalism, but they require certain safeguards. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some socialist things in the capitalist system. And I mean, Social Security, get it, uh, Medicaid, understand it. Uh, unemployment insurance, need it. That's how we graduated when capitalism became more practical and said, okay, as businesses grows, there's got to be some some type of uh, social safety net. And now we've given too much with the $600 every week on top of 70% of your pay. Not that you don't deserve it, especially if you work hard and lost a job through no fault of your own, but we can't afford doing that for 330 million people or a workforce that is uh, 50% playing, $174 million. You know, some are retired, some can't get a job, some aren't trying. So a lot of people, I think the University of Chicago did a study about who the $600 is helping, and they say for 70% of people, they're making more than they were when they were working. That's a problem, because then there's no incentive to go back to work. Using money, you're fixing up your house, you don't have to go back to work, you have no commutation costs, and you just wait for everything to fire up, and then when your boss calls, you go, no thanks, I'm fine, not going back to work. But Joe Biden, don't believe me, the amount of money he's spending, he's going to expand, uh, is going to expand government housing and education. Wow, fantastic. More government education. Uh, overall spending will be $7 trillion, as I mentioned. Um, and by the way, he also says when it comes to the cops, they can handle all the unrest. He has not been paying attention. He needs to be asked about that. Jim, let's see on WABC in New Jersey. Jim. Hey, Brian, love the show, buddy. Thank you. What's on your mind? That, that thing with Joe Biden yesterday was was an absolute disgrace. Hey, John, can the you pull it off that, your speaker? Could you do me a favor, pull it off your speaker? Jim, yes. I should Hold say. On, one second, one second. Are you there? Yep, much better. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. That thing with Joe Biden yesterday was an absolute disgrace. He knew the, who to call on. He knew the questions. He knew what answers to give. If you notice, the reporters never interrupted him. They didn't want him to get confused. Also, if you don't know if you noticed, they clapped at the end. They did. And then, then when Donald Trump had a, had a press conference an hour later, look at the difference in the questioning, the interruptions, the attack. It is, it's I, I've never witnessed anything like this in my life. It Are you voting for President Trump? Of course. Now, we do you know President anybody? Trump. I always ask this question, Jim. Do you know anybody that didn't that will? Yes. Yes. Listen, you know who? The young, a lot of young people, a lot, a lot of African-Americans and a lot of Spanish. Listen, I deal. I'm in the construction business. They don't want this. They know the politicians are pitting us against each other. They know they're using race to pit us against each other. They know what Donald Trump did for them. They know. They know. It's not the low information people. They're not the majority. They're not. Gotcha. Jim, thanks. Appreciate your input. Here's Biden on small business. Guess what he wants to do? Pay you to start a small business. Cut 34. We create a new small business opportunity fund. 
It dramatically expands on the successful Obama-Biden initiative that generated more than $5 billion in $5 in private equity for every $1 in public investment in a small business, particularly in hard-pressed areas. We're going to make take $30 billion of our Made in America investment, I announced earlier this year, and put it into this fund. Fantastic. It will allow the expanded federal support for the most effective state, local, and nonprofit programs to provide venture capital and financing for minority business owners and communities in need. Yep, we'll see how that goes. The enterprise zones are much more successful. Uh, it incentivizes people to invest in areas and build, build housing and allow for industry to flourish rather than pay people to do it. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Senator Obama, are you comfortable? Is there anything we can get for you? (laughs) No, thank you. I'm fine. John King, a follow-up. Senator Obama, a minute ago, Jorge Ramos asked if there was anything we could get you, and you said, quote, no, thank you, I'm fine. My question is, are you sure? Because it's, you know, it's really no trouble. I am quite sure. Thank you, though. And that's what Hillary Clinton was complaining about, and later Romney was getting uh, complaining about that there was no tough questions for Barack Obama as he captured the world's uh, imagination because he promised a better future. And he never got any tough questions. And for seven and a half years, besides James Rosen, Ed Henry, and a few other Fox people, which he rarely talked to, I think he talked to Chris Wallace once and Bill O'Reilly a couple of times, he basically coasted through seven and a half years of easy press. I heard about it on news reports. And now Joe Biden picked up that mantle. And it happened yesterday. Here's a little of uh, Joe Biden's Q&A. We've had these meetings in Dover the last th- or Delaware the last three weeks. I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements. Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick. Are you still targeting early August? Are there specific states right now that you think should halt their reopenings and roll things back? And one question was, what about baseball? Chris Starr, well, you could run for president if those questions were that tough. Uh, I mean, you'd be playing colors. What a what a contrast between what we've been dealing with the three years and that. Well, I, I you reminded me of. Do you remember Jeff Zelny's question for Obama? Uh, uh, Jeff was at the New York Times then in uh, uh, the spring. Of- what most enchants you about the presidency? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. In fact, Eric found it. Let's listen. (laughs) Come on. You know what? I wouldn't mind a world like that where we gave our leaders more respect, but it's not the one we're in, I thought. No way. I don't want to live in a world where you have a bunch of uh, bottom smoochers uh, uh, in the press corps. I want an adversarial press corps. I want a press corps that puts presidents through their Uh, We give presidents incredible powers, uh, the powers uh, of a king and a nuclear arsenal, and they better be made to sweat. And the the treatment that Barack Obama got was for a lot of reasons. One, it wasn't just because he was optimistic and hopeful about things. 
And it wasn't just because he was the first African-American president. And it wasn't just because uh, he was a Democrat, though all of those things were factors. It was also because he was a intellectual who talked to reporters in a way that reporters like to be talked to. And he gave them these very cerebral kind of answers and talked about those things. And they felt flattered uh, by the chance. And, th- and they thought that what they were doing was really important. Joe Biden ain't that. Joe Biden is a Democrat. It is true. Uh, but other than that, he does not enjoy any of the other benefits that Biden's going to get. And I will promise you this. If Joe Biden does win the presidency, he is going to have a tiger by the tail because the press corps who was never very high on Joe Biden in the first, he was sort of Obama's dumb cousin, right? He was like this guy, Sheriff Joe, Lawls. Uh, the Obama people never liked Biden. The press will not be nice to Biden. And number two, the Democratic Party, which is right now holding its tongue uh, against Biden and giving him, you know, all of the layups Hillary Clinton didn't get in 2016, they will turn on Biden the second if he gets elected, the second he gets elected, they will turn on Biden and he'll say, well, I'm putting a Republican in my cabinet and their heads will explode and it will be on like Donkey Kong. Chris, I don't I don't agree. And, and I think Hillary Clinton got a lot easier questions than than uh, Donald Trump along the way. She was able to deflect a whole lot of it. That's why when she got a, co- a couple of questions from our people, she fumbled badly and never even sat down with a Fox person, I don't think. So no, she did a, she was a tandem with Brett and uh, Greta Van Susteren uh, on her book tour uh, quasi rollout. Right. So how about that compared to how many interviews Donald Trump's done with everybody from 2015 to today, uh, as opposed to what Barack Obama did? Uh, You count on one hand how many Fox interviews he did, and you could count on two hands or 20 hands how many times he complained that Fox doesn't give him an easy time. President Obama tried to delegitimize Fox, and and he said it was a Republican House organ, that basically that it was should be marginalized. And they tried at the beginning. Fortunately, uh, we were able to stand up to that, and fortunately, our colleagues in the press corps, uh, much as then we would go on to do when the Trump administration tried it with CNN and with others, to say nope. This is not how that works, and stand up for it. But yeah, Obama definitely tried to marginalize Fox, and to his detriment. To his detriment, and Trump has had much of the same problem, which is this. You have to add, Obama was the first president to get reelected with a smaller electoral college number than he won the first time. He shrank his coalition over time, and that's because he refused to talk to those voters, especially white working class voters, but to talk to those voters who had legitimate concerns about things like trade immigration, uh, the very issue set that took Donald Trump into office. And Obama tried to ignore that stuff, and he tried to ignore those voters, and it hurt his party badly in 2016. Chris Dowell with us. Chris, very good analysis. I, I, that was very, uh, I will add this to this. And Barack Obama decided early that he was going to take apart Mitt Romney rather than run on his record and not talk about his greatest accomplishment, and that was Obamacare. And he started taking apart Romney. Every day he was uh, he was detached. He cut up businesses. He fired people. We know about the. They had an ad. They had an ad that said he was a vampire. 
<laughs> yeah. Did they? I mean, it was they something did. like that. But no, but, no, they literally had a guy who was stricken with cancer, right? Who lost his job at a company that Bain flipped. He said it was like a vampire, and I was like, you know, I've heard a lot, but I have never heard an incumbent president refer to his challenger as a vampire in an ad. So now, how come? One. Now, how come Donald Trump? is having trouble doing that to Joe Biden. Uh, we just mentioned he's got a lot of he's got a lot of vulnerabilities. Why so far has President Trump been unable to do what Barack Obama did to Mitt? Well, it's not for lack of trying. That ad that they've got out with that little old lady who is about to be murdered by a group of shadowy men and Joe Biden doesn't want the police to come makes a Willie Horton ad look like small world after all. Uh, Trump team is trying. Thing. Every, they, they are sparing nothing in their effort to say that. Uh, you're breaking up bad. Uh, oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me here? Yeah, that, that's a little bit better. Yeah, that's better. Don't so, move. So Keep your best, left leg up in the air <laughs> and the tinfoil tin on the phone. wrapped around my right arm. <laughs> um, the, but, the, but the message is Joe Biden is senile. As Trump says, he doesn't even know he's alive uh, and that he will be in the thrall of radical liberals, and they will abolish the police and do all this kind of stuff. This is the message about Joe Biden that they want to hammer home. The problem, the problem is this. Americans generally have an opinion about Joe Biden. They don't think that he is going, they do not think he is Barack Obama. They do not think that he is some brilliant man who is going to do all these things, but they generally think he's a good guy. He, here's the deal. You can't make Joe Biden Hillary Clinton. America did not like Hillary Clinton. She had dynastic ambitions. It was unpleasant for the same reason they didn't want Jeb Bush. They didn't want Hillary Clinton. They knew what they were going to get. They knew about the corruption. They knew about all that stuff. It's just harder to do with Joe Biden, who Americans have known for 40 years. Maybe they don't think he's a brain, but it's hard to do to him what they did to Hillary. Okay, Chris, I have a, I have a something that you, while you were describing that, I, I, I think I had, there's a strategy out there. And it says, okay. you go up to Barack, you go up to Joe Biden and says, I don't want to defund the police. All right, fine. Oh, and by the way, if those rioters, if they are rioters, I want to, I want to uh, arrest them, put them in jail, and then try them. Okay. Now, you make Joe Biden say that, and you might say to yourself, well, uh, Donald Trump just attacked Joe Biden. Joe Biden says, no, that's not true. Well, guess who wants it to be true? The people on the left want to defund the police. They want to tell. We watched a whole hearing where the Democrats were denying that the protesters were rioters. So what rioters are you talking about? Antifa, what are you talking about? Those people that Joe Biden says Donald Trump's lying about, I do want them arrested in jail. Then they are protesters. We are. If you put that out there and Biden denies that he that that Trump what Trump is saying is true, he alienates those on his left, including the many in the Black Lives Movement that are getting behind him reluctantly. And that's why Rashida Tlaib said, I will not vote for him. That's why Bernie Sanders is saying, I better get Medicare for all. That's why 600 delegates out of the 4,000 said, I will not sign off on this platform. So you can see that you might have a different tact that could be effective. Well, do you hear the leaf blower that is being operated right outside the window that I cannot move away from or I will lose your signal? <laughs> it, it is a powerful leaf blower, and the man who is doing it is doing it with real vigor, and I apologize for that. No problem. Uh, but I will tell you this. If Trump wants to make Biden beholden to those voters, Trump has to do better 
with moderates and persuadable voters. The step to making Joe Biden. So if you what Trump wants to do is drive a wedge between Joe Biden and the far left. He wants to he wants to diminish their support for Biden and have them say, Trump, Biden, what's the difference? I'm not going to vote or I'm going to vote green or and, and have what he had with Clinton. In order to do that, the, you know, the pivot that Trump has affected over the past couple of weeks, a more somber tone, a more serious yeah. tone, uh, dump the campaign manager, cancel the uh, rally in Jacksonville, the new the new approach that Trump's taking. That is necessary to not only maintain but expand in order to convince suburbanites that Trump is deserving of a second term. Because if he can't do that, then Biden can just laugh at his critics on the left because he's got plenty of support in the middle and they can't make it hurt. If this turns into a three-point race, Joe Biden will have to do as much uh, patootie kissing of his base uh, as he can in order to try to keep a more narrow coalition together. That then sets Trump up to try to pick off the suburbs. But until he gets it close enough, until Trump gets this close enough, it lets Biden just breeze right past the far left. But Trump's doing, I will say this, and I, you know, I mentioned this last week when we were talking, I do see the turnaround with Trump. Is it enough? Can it be maintained? And we'll see. Okay. Two things happened while we were talking. Louis Gomer tested positive for the coronavirus. He was getting on Air Force One, (laughs) took a test. Uh, He was going back to Texas. Now he's going to have to fly commercial or stay home. Uh, Number two, uh, number two, the uh, Oregon governor has just said U.S. agents will begin leaving Portland. The president did not say they were leaving. So the official stressed the Associated Press that the talks with the office of uh, Governor Kane uh, Brown, Kate Brown, are in the early stages, and there is no agreement. So there is some movement there, and now if the agents leave, there's going to be pressure on, in Seattle and in Portland to get it under control. If it's out of control, the president will go, "What did I tell you?" And if it is under control, everybody wins. So I I like this scenario, and I'm going to bring you back to 1973. And I like it. I did the math. I was nine. And okay. I remember I was in uh, on the bus, and I used to just live for sports, and Newsday used to, del- to get delivered in the afternoon. And it yeah. came in, and I kept looking on the standings every day, and I kept saying, even though the Mets are in last, they're only six games out of first, and it, right. is, it is June, right? And I remember saying to myself, the first-place team is only one game over five hundred. Why can't they win the division? And being that I was lonely and friendless, and my older brother said, I don't want you to play with me, and my, my younger brother rather work with engines, I just would just watch sports and, and look at these standings every day. And the next thing you know, the Mets made that move, and the next thing you know, the Mets won the division. But they're not going to beat the Reds. They beat the Reds. They went to the World Series. They were up on the A's 3-2 and then blew it in seven games. Okay. Unbelievable year. The Miracle Mets were just four years prior, so they had the framework there. And I'm going to make right. a prediction in July, all right? Okay. My prediction in July, they're setting the table to making a run and have a chance at the title in November, where I didn't see any hope before. If you look at last place, you think, what chance do they have? But if you look at games out of first, it's possible. And what I'm seeing is the type of discipline necessary to make that run because the first place team, Joe Biden, is only one game over 500. How do you like that analogy? Will you use it on halftime? Will you use it with Brett Baer? <laughs> no. Well, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, and certainly that was true about those amazing Mets. 
but Biden's more than one game over 500. Hillary Clinton was one game over 500. No, right? she wasn't. She was not. You thought she was going to win. Everybody thought she was going to win. Who's going to stop but, her? So she was she was at this point about three points ahead of Trump. The race was pretty close. Trump was sometimes tied in some polls. Trump is way back, right? He's way, he's way back. He's not close. He's way back. All right. Let's now, leave it at that, Chris. Things, so, have- things, so, th- so things change. And as Gerald Ford and Harry Truman, who were both in the same situation as Donald Trump, you can close a lot of ground in 98 days or 97 days. A lot can change. And for Trump, he just needs to start getting a little forward momentum. And what he needs is for Republicans or Republican leaners in the suburbs to say, I don't want high taxes. I don't want a liberal Supreme Court. I don't want those things. And I don't want a bunch of regulations. Here's what I do want. I want Donald Trump to behave himself. And if Trump can make himself into a reasonable choice and and be disciplined and do those things, it's possible. Chris Dywalt, thanks. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Good evening. I'm Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'd like to thank all the older women in America who have sent me supportive, inspiring, and sometimes graphic emails. There is a rumor that the president is going to fire me. Let's see what he said about that. Today I walk in, I hear I'm going to fire him. I'm not firing him. I think he's a wonderful guy. So yeah, I'm getting fired. But until then, I'm going to be there putting out the facts for whoever's listening. And when I hear things like the virus can be cured if everyone takes the Tide Pod challenge, I'll be there to say, please don't. So... Brad Pitt got an Emmy nomination for a cold open. If that isn't the ultimate kick to the groin to the president, am I right? I mean, how do you get an Emmy for just pretending to have a raspy voice? There is the category for it. I mean, it sounds like there's only one category. But come on, it's a cold open when Anthony Fauci, who was not playful with Fox and Friends, but the next day when they say, who do you want to play you on SNL, said Brad Pitt. Fun guy. And Brad Pitt plays him, and he gets an Emmy. Please. Brad Pitt, come on. It was funny, but yeah, I, I agree. He didn't get the Emmy. He's simply nominated at this point. You know he's going to get it. So we could have his acceptance speech where he says, please vote for Joe Biden. He might. Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com. Be smart. Go buy Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. It's my pushback against Brad Pitt. Can we do that? Maybe that by the book of the year. BrianKillMe.com. Thanks so much for listening. Keep it here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.